This archival program of Design Matters with Debbie Millman was produced for Voice America Internet Radio. New programs with better audio quality are now being produced for Design Observer. You can subscribe in the iTunes Store or at the Observer Media Channel on Design Observer. Welcome to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, the show that takes you inside the provocative and stimulating world of design and branding as it intersects with contemporary culture. Here's your host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. The design blog, Speak Up, changed my life. I say this without undue drama or sarcasm or irony. But perhaps I should clarify, Felix Sockwell, formerly a writer on Speak Up, changed my life. Let me tell you how. On May 2, 2003, Felix posted a discussion that verbatim went like this. Dear AIGA, for some odd reason, I get a free copy of Graphic Design USA. If you're familiar with it, you know what it is. The equivalent of a high school yearbook packed with photos of designers and bulky paper ads. Lots of ads. It's shameful. I weep openly. Another reason to cry is that Debbie Millman of Sterling Group in New York, your AIGA juror this year, says she's been in the business 20 years and Graphic Design USA has always been the magazine she turns to for cultural relevance and design intelligence. Letters to the editor page, March 2003. Perhaps she is lying simply to see her name in print, or maybe she's actually telling the truth. Either way, we're doomed. Year by year, the AIGA gets suckered into deals with these corporate clowns, and it really betrays the trust I have in my profession and you, Felix Sockwell. The ensuing online conversation featured design luminaries such as John Balenberg suggesting that perhaps I wasn't really invited to judge the competition in the first place and was a last-minute substitute. Tan Lee referred to me as a she-devil, and the founder of Speak Up, Armin Vitt, called the work of my firm a pair of turds. I was mortified. I thought I had been diligently and responsibly building my practice, and then, lo and behold, a grenade was thrown into the mix. All I could do after I cried was ask myself over and over who the hell were these cheeky monkeys, what the hell was a blog in the first place, and how could I ever possibly hold my head up in the design community again? Ultimately, I decided to respond to this missive, and I did so rather gingerly. I simply wrote in, wow, what a cool discussion, and then the fur really began to fly. I was challenged, and I was cussed at. I volleyed back with my own stalwart opinions and got some people to change their minds. Armin even apologized for calling my work turds. But something happened to me in that experience that actually got me excited. This was the first place on the web that I ever visited that A, was talking passionately and interactively about design, and B, that was holding people accountable to their decisions about the type of the, de- the design they produce and then stand by. So when Armin emailed me a few weeks later inviting me to be an author on the site, I jumped to it. And I've been writing regularly since May of 2003, and it is easily one of the most interesting, enjoyable, captivating, frustrating, humiliating, and fulfilling endeavors that I have ever undertaken. 
but I was late to the blogging game. According to Rebecca Blood, in 1998, there were just a handful of sites of the type that are now identified as weblogs, so named by Jorn Barger in December of 1997. Jesse James Garrett, editor of InfoSift, began compiling a list of other sites like his as he found them in his travels around the web. And in November of that year, he sent that list to Cameron Barrett. Cameron published the list on Camworld and others maintaining similar sites began sending their URLs to him for inclusion on the list. Jesse's page of only weblogs listed the 23 known to be in existence at the beginning of 1999. Then, in 1999, Blogger was introduced, and while weblogs had always included a mix of links, commentary, and personal notes, in the post-Blogger explosion, Increasing numbers of weblogs eschewed this focus on the web at large in favor of a sort of short-form journal. These blogs, often updated several times a day, were instead a record of the blogger's thoughts, something noticed on the way to, the wor- to work, notes about the weekend, a quick reflection on some subject or another. Links took the reader to the site of another blogger with whom the first was having a public conversation or had met the previous evening, or to the site of the band he had seen on the night before. Flu-blown conversations were carried on between three or five blogs, each referencing each other in their agreement or rebuttal of the other's positions. And here's where it gets interesting. Cults of personality sprung up as new blogs appeared, certain names appearing over and over in daily entries, or listed in the obligatory sidebar of other weblogs, a holdover from Cam's original list. Well, Technorati is now tracking over 7.8 million weblogs, and 937 million links. That's just about double the number of weblogs tracked in October of 2004. In fact, the blogosphere is doubling in size about once every five months. It has already done so at this pace four times, which means that in the last 20 months, the blogosphere has increased in size by over 16 times. And there are approximately 45,000 new blogs created Every day. According to the brilliant cultural anthropologist Grant McCracken, every little blog is buffeted by the high winds of a dynamic culture, even as even it has its favorite go-to ideas with which it is most comfortable making sense of the world. This is, I think, pragmatic sweet spot of the blogging world. The real challenge is here, I guess, is to constantly cultivate and enlarge the go-to ideas without taking on or forswearing too much of the world in the process. Our sweet spot should be the smallest, most powerful ideas that illuminate the largest, most various parts of the world most cleanly. And maybe, just maybe, in the process, we can change or at least influence some lives. I know it did mine. Welcome to Design Matters with Debbie Millman. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and today I have the founders of four very influential design blogs, Speak Up, Design Observer, Via Design Group, and Personism. And if I read all of the bios of all of my guests, it would take the entire show. But let me tease you with a little bit of their wondrous accomplishments. Armin Witt and Bryony Policio Gomez created Speak Up in September of 2002. The forum is an author-based, reader-supported community devoted to graphic design, open to conversation and dialogue. Its mission is to further the graphic design profession from within the goal of creating a stronger and clearer sense of what our role is as professionals in light of the responsibility we have as communicators. 
They were the first design blog in the blogosphere. I believe that they also have the largest readership. Rick Pointer, co-founded Design Observer in 2003, was Design Superstars William Drentel, Jessica Helfand, and Michael Beirut. Their aim was to use the blog framework to establish a forum for writing and discussion about design and culture. The hope was that it would be possible to move beyond narrow professional concerns and talk about design in a way that would ultimately engage a broader audience. Their site took off, and it receives around 100,000 site visits a week. And Bennett Holsworth and Adrian Hanft created Be a Design Group as an invitation to all people to participate in design. Their blog was created as a place where designers can test new ideas, share observations, and comment on cultural trends. Their definition of design is intentionally broad so that the subject matter of their posts can be diverse and unlimited. Be a Design Group strives to be a positive influence in the design community and the culture at large. And finally... Jen Beckman is a gallery owner and a freshly minted blogger. Her eponymous gallery in New York City is on the eastern edge of Spring Street, where it meets the Bowery. The founding editor of the design blog Unbeige, she now publishes Personism, a blog about design, urban issues, and architecture, and is an occasional contributor to Apartment Therapy, a blog about city living. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. Is everybody there, or am I all alone? Thank you. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Six guests, no one talking. Rick, my first question is actually to you. Um, back in 2003, you wrote a piece on blogging for iMagazine, wherein you said that when it comes to reading blogs, you are strictly a dabbler. Clearly that has changed. What happened? Well, yes, I did say that, and I seem to recall it was in a, a review I wrote about Speak Up, which had been going about a year at the time. That's right. Uh, and I'd started reading it, and I was very impressed by it. I, you know, it had come out of nowhere. It was done with incredible conviction. It was nicely designed. Uh, it had a lot to say for itself. It had a lot of personality and character. Uh, and so uh, it, it pulled me in. I started to think um, I've been in this writing uh, game, talking about design for a long time now. Maybe maybe the, the time has come to try out this new medium. So... Basically, I, I took I took the plunge when uh, Bill Drentel approached me over the summer of 2003 and said, Jessica and I are thinking about starting a blog, and would you get involved with us? Uh, and I thought about it, said yes, and then we thought about who else could join us, and uh, both came up with Michael Beirut as a possibility, approached Michael, Michael wanted to do it, so we were all set to go. And from then on, it's... Uh, it's been quite a ride, and I'd say it's one with its ups and downs. You know, uh, I feel alternatively um, exhilarated by the ride, and sometimes exasperated and infuriated. But for me, it's uh, an, ex- an exciting experiment with a new way of getting the design writing out there. I've previously just worked in print, and this is a, a new medium. Well, uh, we are going to have to take a, a very quick break. I'd like to come back and talk more about all of your entries into the blogosphere. Uh, in the meantime, I'd like to let everyone know that they are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I am Debbie Millman, and my guests today are the founders and writers of the design blog Speak Up, Design Observer, Be a Design Group, and Personism. We will be right back with our broadcast after these messages, so please don't go away. You're listening.
listening to The Bottom Line in Business Talk. Voice America Business. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On Managing Technology the Right Way, we'll talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its associated risks. Heard every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Sun Jogal, the host of Managing Technology the Right Way, will interview business leaders and other experts that have shaped the way we use technology. If you want to keep up with the changing world of technology, listen to Managing Technology the Right Way with Sun Jogal every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time right here on BusinessAmericaRadio.com. You hear business show after business show all geared towards improving a company's bottom line. But what about your bottom line? How come no one ever talks about that? Finally, a show dedicated to the worker. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, the work wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, the Crow Show is aimed specifically at the worker and their environment. From work skills and technology to dealing with bosses and coworkers, The Crow Show will give you insight on how to survive and prosper in today's workplace. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, The Work Wonk, heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, businessamericaradio.com. Think you've got a grip on the profit potential your property has? Tune in to VoiceAmerica.com Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Commercial Real Estate 101 with Dennis Manning. Dennis will teach you the ins and outs of the massive world of real estate. You will learn the rewards and pitfalls of why to invest in commercial real estate. You'll also hear from experts in property management, lending, title work, tax-deferred exchanges, legal issues, and many entrepreneurial investors. The best part? You'll learn to generate a regular income that will lead to enticing capital gains. So don't miss one moment of Commercial Real Estate 101 with Dennis Manning. Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, right here on voiceamerica.com. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. Welcome back to Design Matters with Debbie Millman. If you would like to be a caller on the show, dial toll-free at 1-866-233-7861. Once again, that's 1-866-233-7861. And now, back to the host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. Welcome back. It is 3.16 Eastern Time, and you are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, live from the Empire State Building in New York City. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guests today are the founders and writers of the design blog Speak Up, Design Observer, Via Design Group, and Personism. We'd like to encourage your calls. If you're interested, please call 1-866-233-7861. And prior to the break, we were talking with Rick Pointer. Rick, who is in the U.K., is that not true? I'm in London, yes. You're in London. Yeah, we have we have our, our guests today, dear listeners, all over the country, um, all over the world. Rick is in London. Um, we were talking a little bit about how blogs are changing the way that people read. And another quote of Rick's that I found when we were doing our research is this. It's often said that blogs represent a new kind of journalism, and it's certainly the case that journalists are using blogs as an even more immediate way of delivering their commentaries. The key factor in determining the success of any blog is its ability to generate and sustain its own community of contributors. So, guys, I have two questions, two-part questions for, for you, for a few of you. Um, first, Armin and Bryony, what kind of new journalism do you think we're talking about here? Um, right, I'll go first uh, rather quickly. I think the the main thing is uh, it's a new journalism in the sense that it's people who didn't have access to to write as journalists. Nor a background. 
Exactly. Like, if I didn't have a blog, I wouldn't be able to spread the love. I mean, it's, uh, and there's also a sense that it seems fresh because we are talking without the biases, constraints, or traditions of traditional journalists. So there's like a sense of, uh, freshness to it that I don't, I don't think it's possible in traditional journalism. Well, it's also a kind of kinship and <clears throat> sorry, in the way that you're creating something with a bunch of people that hasn't been done before. So you're forming and you're creating this out of nothing. So you're de- deciding what the parameters are in a way. Well, do you think that that's something that is always a good thing? I mean, for example... It can be um, dangerous. Yeah, well, it can be dangerous on a number of, of levels. I mean, obviously, you could just sort of... Somebody can just come in and throw a grenade and either stay and watch it explode or run away. Or there's the big question, I think, about the quality of the writing and the quality of the editing, if indeed there even is one. Um, and, what am I... I'm sorry. Yeah, and, and the quality of the facts. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite quotes about blogs comes from Steve Heller, and he wrote it in Print Magazine last year. And he wrote, design blogs offer stimulating idea forums along with rambling, self-indulgent rants. I get riled when bloggers who are protected by anonymity and emboldened by a format that allows anyone to say anything at any time without mediation or an iota of editing. Um, how do you feel about that? Uh, it's very true. I mean, it's it's the perils of blogging. If you're not careful, you end up with a with that. But if you try to set a standard, and it mm-hmm. comes from the more common contributors, if you set a standard, you can sort of set the tone for what you expect and what is not allowed, not allowed, but what is frowned upon. So it's really a lot of uh, just building a community around values that the community stands for. Well, and the content will determine the sustainability of the of the blog itself. If the content is not good, the writing is bad, if you don't have true facts, it will go away really, really fast. I mean, now, people won't go to it. Now, in, in terms of finding readers, Bennett and Adrian, you are one of the more new-ish blogs, and Jen, actually, you're, I think, the, the newest of the four uh, blogs represented on the show today. How do you find and sustain your readers? How do you get them interested in the first place? Uh, tenacity, um, I guess. Um, this is Bennett. Uh, I'll, t- I'll take it first. Um, I would say commenting on, on other blogs helped us a lot on Design Observer, maybe stirring up a little controversy. People will click on your name. Um, so did you do that? Did you actually write into Design Observer with the sole intention of stirring controversy? No, Adrian got a little controversy going when we were first starting, but I don't think it was, it wasn't of the sole purpose to get people to visit our site. It was just kind of a reaction and got people pretty riled up. What did you do? What was, what's the background here? This is not a story I'm familiar with. Uh-oh, I shouldn't have brought this up. Oh, why not? That's, that's the whole, see? Unedited blogs, unedited radio. <laughs> Bring up the Jews. Yeah, come, on, world, do Adrian. come on, Bennett. We need to know the dirty details. Do you want to tackle with Adrian? Adrian? Did we lose Adrian? One of the things about blogs is... There he is. If you really want to... Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. but do speak up a little bit. Um, one of the things about a blog is you're, if you really want response, you got to be a little bit more abrasive than maybe you would be in regular conversation. So, I mean, people that know me think of me probably as a pretty quiet guy, but online... You can you can almost be another person, 
And my uh, what what happened with Design Observer was I just uh, was criticizing some of the more political comments they they were making. Adrian, yeah, you're hemming and hawing. What exactly did you do <laughs> on Design Observer? to create the controversy. What's the background? What's the story here? Rick's on the line, so we can just talk freely. Well, I said, uh, you guys push your political agenda, and, and I just wanted them to stick to design issues. <laughs> but isn't design political? Well, not in the sense that you can talk about design without uh, criticizing or uh, getting behind a candidate for president. I, uh, I, don't, I don't think that overlaps. Rick, what, what do you think about that? What I think about that is that, for me, the, the beauty of this as a medium, the fact that the blog is so public, the fact that anyone can come to the site, and that through this network of links you can pull in people who have nothing to do with design, all of this creates the opportunity to have a discussion of design that goes beyond narrow professional concerns and it actually connects with other areas of life. So for me, politics, since this has come up as an example, you know, is absolutely basic. Why don't we talk about the politics of oh. design? Uh, just because we choose as designers perhaps not to mention this, it doesn't mean those politics aren't there. So, uh, you know, I, th I think it's a good thing. I think it's good to stir things up, and I think often the way to get a discussion going is to take a position uh, and it doesn't mean you're right. It doesn't mean there aren't alternative points of view. But by taking a position, you give other people something to play against. And the interesting discussion comes out of that clash of views. If everyone's going to play it safe and not, not take a risk, not put themselves on the line, then the discussion's going to be pretty limp, boring, in fact. So, you know, I think, I think politics is good. And if Design Observer as a site has a certain political complexion and people come to know it for that, that's no bad thing. You know, if you don't like it, set up your own blog with a different political point of view. Uh, and so, you know, politics is good, but also making some kind of connection between design as an activity and uh, ordinary everyday culture. You know, the, the, the problem with design discussion usually is it's too inward-looking. It's produced by designers for designers, and there's a real danger with blogs that it will simply do the same thing all over again. Designers talk to themselves. I'm interested in having a discussion about design that brings in the points of view of other people in society, designers, um, users, its consumers, its viewers. I want to hear what they have to say about it. And the most exciting moments for me are when those kind of visitors come to Design Observer and they have something to say and it's very different from what a designer would say. That's, that's personally what I want to encourage. I want to see more of that. Uh, I guess the fact that we're talking about this on the radio is another bit of evidence of re reaching out to a broader public, breaking out of this closed circle of design with its rather introverted concerns. What do you think is the reason for our, I guess, obsession with introverted concerns, Rick? We've been accused as, as I think, overall an in industry with having that ailment. Why is that? Well, if, you know, if we look at what, what happened before blogs, what happened before blogs, and it's still going on, is you had design publications. And design publications are commercial ventures. They need to identify an audience. They need to sell that audience to their advertisers. And the audience that they're selling is designers. So the discussion in those publications, on the whole, 
will serve design's interests. It's not going to challenge design in a radical way. You know, that would be rocking the boat. That would be biting the hand that feeds you. It just, it just wouldn't be a good idea from a publishing point of view. So even though um, conventional design publications say they want design criticism, there's very little really tough, really incisive design criticism in most design publications for exactly that reason, that you might alienate the readers. Now, I've always been struck by how when you get design discussion in a mainstream publication where they have no vested interest in design, they're often freer to talk about um, what's really going on. I'm kind of hoping in the, in the blogosphere and you know, with our own site, Design Observer, ultimately we can do something similar. We can throw out these, um, these lines of connection with other, other professional groups, other areas of society, and we can start to have a, a genuine dialogue about design from every angle and not just from what it looks like on the inside of design. I also, um, this is Jen, one of the things, one of the reasons that I'm blogging about design at all, I'm not a designer, I'm more of a, I'm cutting more from the perspective of someone who's curious and interested and um, a fan of certain things that I see. And I think that design overall has become much more a part of the public discourse where people really consider themselves to be, it's just something that people can be interested in. And the, I mean, for me, one of the most flattering things that anyone who's read my writing since I started blogging, the most flattering thing that somebody told me was they said, I didn't know that design was something that I could be interested in. But when I read what you're writing about, I realize that it's something that affects me all the time, and I just never, I never thought to look at it that way. And I think that, um, I, I think that it's a situation where the general public is much more engaged in ideas about design and, and more interested. And, um, you know, I, type, typography has become more of a mainstream discussion lately than it used to be. Um, as an example, I just, uh, I think, and I do think that any industry can be accused of provincialism and insideriness. It's not exclusive to design. People have said it about the art world. People have said it about architects, about, you know, I think it's across the board. Well, yeah, and I, I would I would actually say, uh, you know, although I'm, I'm sounding critical, you need a trade journalism. That's what we're talking about. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with a profession talking about its um, its professional concerns. That's perfectly natural, but that that we have reached a point with, with design, as Jen is saying, where there's a growing public awareness. There is a broader discussion about design in mainstream media and radio, TV programs. You know, they, they're all taking notice. Design is really the um, one of the themes of the moment. And my own belief, the thing that keeps me interested in it, uh, is the feeling that in the next few decades, this will intensify. So actually, the time is really good for launching this broader public discussion and you know if if as design people we have the vision to do that and can lead the way i think we'll help to open that up you know and who's going to do it if not people from inside design because we know most about design but ultimately the goal has to be you know to stop uh, uh gazing at our navels which we still do and and take a broader view of the thing well, Rick, that sounds incredibly important and inspiring. I'd like to come back after our break and talk more about that, more about uh, what is our responsibility as designers and bloggers, as well as what kind of accountability do we owe our readers. 
Um, in the meantime, I'd like to let everyone know that they are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I am Debbie Millman, and my guests today are the founders and writers of the design blog Speak Up, Design Observer, Via Design Group, and Personism. We'll be right back with our broadcast after these messages, so please don't go away. When business is in your blood and you need answers, get connected. Call 1-866-233-7861. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market?